0: welcome to another episode of sicker than most i'm your host steve and today we have a we're, we're, we're gonna go for a roller coaster that's all i can describe this as <laughs> we're gonna go for a roller coaster buckle up We've got my good friend howie on the show um you know this man has a story to tell um you know so buckle up get ready for the ride because here we go howie how we doing great brother great excited That accent right off the bat. Oh, yeah. From Boston. Howie from Boston. Everybody
1: still asks me to say fucked up words. Say water and coffee and shit. (laughs) Come on.
0: It never ends. So let's get right to it. Sure. Right. Let's get right to it. So you're, you're definitely sicker than most right out the gate. I'm yeah. gonna spoil it for everyone. This yeah. man is sicker than most I've let's see. I think we first met back in 2019 mm-hmm. was that, that was right. 2019. And um, you know, times, times were like recovery felt almost like different back then too. It was like, that's pre COVID. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we got pre, it was pre COVID. We were both working as a uh, detox techs at we the were. time. Yeah. Um, And it was just times, times are different now. Fast forward, almost five years four, four. I've been here for four years. Yeah. yeah. Four years. It's, it's, uh, it, you know, lots changed, a lot of positive a lot. You know, oh, yeah. a lot of positive. So, yeah. so how was, you know, how would you describe your, you know, which had a huge, a huge recovery story here, but how would you describe the beginnings of your drug addiction?
1: It's it's funny because when I think about it, I I think I have such an easy answer. You know what I mean? Um, I feel like it started with attention. Like I always wanted more attention. Even when I was a kid, man. Third grade getting suspended. Sixth grade getting suspended. Expelled from school at seventh grade. Eighth grade actually. Um, Started smoking weed at like 12 because it was like the cool thing to do. You know what I mean? That was, we didn't really have much to do where i grew up you know we'd ride around and get in trouble um so so did you grow up in boston no, no. just south of boston i say okay. boston because a lot of people don't know where uh, i just brockton massachusetts okay it's the uh it's famous for being the home of uh rocky marciano hmm. that's where he was uh marvin Hagler. okay uh, a bunch of, it's a big boxing city nice um yeah a lot of drugs a lot of crime a lot of trouble hmm. you know um a lot of people that like to entertain the same idea you know mm-hmm. um but yeah I, I i started craving attention i would do anything for attention positive or negative so like my first experience with hard drugs was coke in eighth grade seventh grade and i was doing coke off the desk you know you won't do it trust me i'll do it (laughs) you don't
0: know who i think i am you know what i mean yeah so it was a it was it was that craving for for more attention more recognition would you say
1: uh recognition in any way positive negative
0: where where do you think that came from that need to feel recognized or attention feel that need to, to to have attention
1: um knowing what i know now um I, I, you know what, I still, I don't even know if I actually know. I just always wanted to be centralized in everything, you know what I mean? Like, I wanted people to know who, who the fuck I was, you know? And a lot of times, I got a reputation for knowing or for doing stuff that was known as, like, crazy or off the wall or mm-hmm. Did you see how he fucking drove to school? Where the hell he get a car? He's fucking thirteen years old. You know what I mean? Like, like just stupid shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't want to be in school at all, at all. I wanted to do every, I wanted to do the opposite of everything that everybody told me, mm-hmm. and I did, and it fucking it just got worse <laughs> it just got, dude, I, it got i don't know if I've ever heard quick. of anyone be like you know
0: when i did everything that my parents elders and role models or you know mentors told me told me not to do yeah. and it can not it turned out all right yeah, yeah no no so you had um you, you had some experimenting back when you were like 7th grade yeah do you do you think there ever was a point or was there ever a point where it shifted from that craving or that need for attention to the actual need for the drugs like when did that switch or if it did did it ever switch
1: it yeah definitely once i started opiates oxycline or perks or vikes or um i think my opiates started when i got my wisdom teeth out i was like 14 years old they gave me a whole big fucking bottle of vicodin and they were gone in literally like two days, you know. It's supposed to last you like a week or something. You just hate them, you know.
0: Um, and I loved it. it; made me warm, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's such a common one. I wonder the. Per- I would love to see the percentage, like if there was a statistic done for how many heroin or fentanyl addicts, or you know, end stage, you know, end of the life, end stage opiate addicts, like what percentage, what piece of that pie would be people who got hooked from the wisdom teeth, not just from oh. like anything, but just specifically yeah. from the wisdom teeth. I wonder the that wisdom would be teeth. be a very surgery. interesting statistic. Cause now they give you like six Tylenol Ivuprofen, threes or yeah. or yeah, the 600 yeah. IV they, <laughs> yeah. but they'll give you like six. Yep. Just that's yeah, it. Yeah, you know, my, that, my sister had hers pulled, and uh, they gave her six code, uh, Tylenol 3s just with yeah. the coating, Like, si- no refills. And they gave yeah. it just six pills. I've never seen a prescription for opiates with six pills before. You know, but now it's a thing.
1: I caught on real quick to let them know that I was allergic to opium. Or, or not opium. <laughs> codeine. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I knew real quick. Stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go. And they wouldn't think anything of it, you know, because I was a kid, you know, hurt myself or whatever. And, you know. Out of all the stupid shit I've done, I've actually, like, never broken a bone or anything. So I never, like, went to the doctor for any legitimate reason, you know? So I mean, just was just some pills. more serious shit later on in life. But, yeah, I would just go in and shit back pain and, you know, and, are you allergic to anything? Just, I'd write it right on there, you know? Just, like, naturally. Huh. Yeah. I'm allergic to
0: codeine, yeah. I yeah. get an adverse effect. It yeah. doesn't do anything for me.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like what happens to him? Like it makes me sick. You yeah. know what I mean? You know? Okay. Well, what works for you? I need to have to like pretend to not know what it was. Oh, o- oxy, uh oxycodone was the one that they gave me last time. They're like, okay, <laughs> you know, because you seem so innocent, you know.
0: You know, it's the act, right? It's the act we put on, and no one teaches us that either. No, we learn that. We learn that. We're I mean, really good at it. There, there's been some people that have kind of showed me how to, you know, ear hustle some doctors, but. The most of the, most of the tricks of the trade, I just, my, my just popped into my head naturally and, you know, by trial, trial by fire kind of thing, just me wanting more, you know? So Mm -hmm. when, when you first discovered opiates, right? Like how did, how did life change? You know, you said that it changed from you wanted, you want, you were craving the attention to then you got into opiates, right? To then it, it, it changed to where that was no longer something attention was no longer something you were craving. So what did that look like moving
1: forward? So I I think the attention still came with it because I was really good at selling drugs. I was really good at doing them, but I was really good at selling them too. So, you know, and eventually that went away because eventually I got even better at doing them and really shitty at selling them. (laughs) And um, I think when when I actually noticed the the physical response was different was when the oxycontins came around um we didn't even know what they were called man i remember being like 18 years old in my own apartment and um freezer bag full of little blue pills man we called them super perks and and we had no idea what they were you know and all we knew is we ate them and we got fucked up and that was it and we didn't stop you know and that went on for years Years and years, and um, that was the whole era. I don't know if you've seen that movie, Oxymoron.
0: I haven't seen that one, but I saw that one about. Uh, it was about that little Appalachian doctor. I forget the name of the movie. Dope sick. Dope sick. Yeah. Dope sick. Uh-huh. And that was true. Oh, a that lot was, of them are true. That was true. Yeah. So did you feel like? And you've have you seen Dope Sick before? No. That series. No. I'm gonna okay. go watch it when I get home now. Ten out of ten would recommend. Okay. Makes you mad at, at at yourself. No, no. It makes you makes you mad at oh, like big pharma. This is the yeah. This is the big pharma one. Because it, it breaks down everything, and then you go back. I remember one of my teachers made me write a write a paper on it, and you go back and you actually do some research on there and either a lot of the facts are very hidden mm-hmm. on the internet. Mm-hmm. It's hard to find it. Oh, that's some Right? Yeah. Or, or, or when you do discover, you know, things that you're looking up uh, that happened in that documentary to be true. Yeah. So much of it was true. I haven't found one thing in that documentary that wasn't historically accurate. That's... And, it, and it just makes you mad at, one, it makes you mad at the system, mm-hmm. right? Because the system's jacked up. But two, it makes you mad that so much stuff can get through. You know, and while we know we're we're addicts, or alcoholics by by nature. Yeah. You know, if it's not oxy, yeah. it's going to be something else It'll for be us, something. right? Yeah. But just the fact that it was so that there were so many so many balls were dropped. You know, oh, yeah. so many so many things
1: were you know we're able to let. It, it's funny go the sacrifices that are made for money. Mm-hmm. You know, and I never looked at shit like that before. Right. You
0: know? Right. No, absolutely. So then you get so yeah. you get into the you know, uh, the oxy Mm -hmm. epidemic. Yeah. Would you say what, when you said you were 18, when they started coming out? About 17, 18, 19. Um, was there ever any like concern at all from the general public about the, about those medications? I have no idea.
1: I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have known. I was too caught up in my own Xanny induced, opiate induced little world of chaos, you know? And, um, and everybody that was that we associated with at that time was all in the same shit, you know. Mm-hmm. Some people like coke better than opiates, you know. I just liked more <laughs> of whatever was there, mm-hmm. you know. If you had it, I wanted more. If I had it, I wanted more, you know. And it just it just never stopped. It didn't matter. Really, nothing mattered. And, and it's funny because the more I work on myself, the more I do the steps and work with new sponsors. You know, I try to do it periodically pretty often, and um, <laughs> they always always look back and I'm like, fuck, you know? Had I known, had I known would have done it differently? Probably not, because I'm happy with where I'm at now, you know, but it, uh, I remember, uh, I remember waking up sick and not knowing like I, why I was sick. Mm-hmm. I thought I had the flu, you know? Called my mom, hey mom, I feel like shit, you know? I got chills and, you know, she's like, oh, you just got the flu, you know, make some chicken soup and (laughs) drink some tea and some ginger ale, you know? And uh, just took a pill. Well, by then I was probably sniffing them, you know? It didn't take long to transition from taking a piece of an oxy to fucking sniffing five or six of them all day, you know? And uh, went on like that for years, you know? And then I would seek people out. I would I would find out that you had a prescription or your parents had a prescription and I would uh chameleon myself into this individual that you wanted to be around so that I could get into your little circle and start picking away at you know other sources and um I did that for a long time mm-hmm. you know I found out I was really good at getting what I wanted you know um the the mystical chameleon of addiction,
0: you know. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's one of those things too that I I think the chameleon I've done an, you know, I've met met with enough you know, addicts and alcoholics to kind of see a theme with that one along with my <laughs> own addiction, right? Is yeah. that not only does our addiction progress, but our manipulation and our ability to you know, blend in wherever we wherever we can it just it grows as our addiction grows yeah. you know because it's like it's almost like a sup, like a supply and demand it is right you know yeah. if we need more we have to do more mm-hmm. right and, and and there's that progression I'm
1: really good at half ass and shit until I need to do something right you know what I mean <laughs> even now I can be you know it's a little different now because before it was just pure laziness and just lack of motivation you know now it's like I have these moments of like peace and clarity where I don't have to do anything mm-hmm. and I and I enjoy it, you know. Right. Versus going stir crazy thinking about how I'm gonna feel better in the next three hours, you know. Yeah. It's it's a a world of difference. But that's kinda where that and it was, you know it was everywhere. I mean crack was huge out there too. Like I did a lot of coke, a lot of opiates, but um I'd say the majority of it, like I would prefer to do coke, but it ran out faster, it was more expensive. Um, it made me do crazier things to get it than um, than pills at the time, even sniffing them. But you know, I would do them all, it didn't matter, you know? Yeah. I remember eating like bags full of Paxil because we didn't know what the fuck it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Crazy.
0: God, is Paxil even around? Is
1: is Paxil even, even a thing? <laughs> it was like an antidepressant or something. We're like, fuck
0: it, we'll take them. I haven't yeah. heard that. I haven't heard that name. I don't even it. think it's like over oh, years. Yeah, I don't think it's been a long time. Years. So, you know, towards the the end of your of your drug addiction, what mm-hmm. was what was and and also too, what were some big things that kind of made you realize that you had that you had a problem, right? Like if you're You know, if you're just eating pill after pill, doing pill after pill, right? And, and, and doing whatever it takes, or, you know, you were there, when did the red flag start coming up or when did those realizations start popping up? It took a long time, man. Probably. I
1: didn't start searching. I didn't even think about treatment or having a problem until 2004. 2004, 2005 was when I kind of really got into it. Um, I had lost a lot of weight due to doing drugs. I was probably 80 pounds lighter than I am now, you know. Um, Trying to remember the exact moment. I remember where I was. My mother had moved to Maine, and uh, I was up there, and um, I used to stay out all night, she would go to work, I would come in the house and I would hide in the basement and fucking smoke rack and that was it. And I had my own one little bureau and I had it and I remember it had little trophy burns all over it, like spoon burns and I was just bad. And then uh, one day I was just, I'd been up for so long and um, I'd gotten online and I looked up, you know, help for drug addiction or something or, you know, um, treatment facilities near me, shelters, anything. And um, now, mind you, this is after years of abusing my family, especially my mother, you know? She's the only person I've stolen everything and anything I could have from her or her house a million times over, that still speaks to me, you know? Um, And she came home from work and, and I was like in tears and uh she said what's wrong you know and i said i need help she said what do you need i said i need a ride she said where are you going i said a shelter you know and she said yeah let's go you know so she brought me and that was the first uh the first step my first attempt at, at getting
0: better what do you what do you think what do you think was the big driving force for that like what at that time in your life like What made that rock bottom, as opposed to all the years before? So that was probably, like, my first bottom, I would say. Like,
1: it came to the point where everybody knew I had a problem, but, you know, and uh, they wouldn't really, like, my mother would suggest, like, hey, you should probably, like, Looking, you know, you need to change what you're doing. Like, this isn't the way people fucking live. You know, she wouldn't swear at me. She'd be mad if I was swearing, actually. But, um, uh, and I would just write it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most people wouldn't even talk to me because I was just mean and miserable. You know what I mean? And they didn't want to, you know, and I was always right. Didn't matter if they were right, I was right, you know? Um, that was kind of the first, the first bottom. There was, there was quite a few bottoms after that, you know? Um, but I went in, I did the old seven day kick. When I went in, they kind of looked at me funny because I was ridiculously skinny, like whoo, sunken, like skeletal skinny. And uh, so they, they had medical come and check me out, make sure I wasn't gonna flop dead and put me upstairs. and. You know, after a couple of days, I ate a couple of meals and.
0: Now what was that? So that was the detox
1: at the shelter. So it's called a it's it's a wet shelter, um, where you can go in and and like be drunk and stuff because there's a lot of it's cold and it fucking snows and people right. die from freezing waiting and to get in and um, but upstairs they had a treatment facility. It was called Milestone in Portland, Maine, and. Um,
0: so was that like medical like I know you said that the medical came and checked you out but like were they giving you detox meds or were they do it they, they checked on comfort you meds. Okay. No
1: no like suboxone or anything like that cuz mm-hmm. literally at that point in my life like opiates weren't even a thing you know it was just going north to south picking up coke bringing it back up and um doing most of it you know selling enough to be able to do it again you know um I had like two or three cars in my mother's driveway that I don't remember how i got them you know and she was like "Who's fucking cars are these i'm like oh they're mine you know <laughs> can you move them like well i don't know where the keys are you know what <laughs> i mean like just stupid shit and uh <laughs> she just you know it's funny because we talk now and we'll we'll talk about that day and that that time and um she's like yeah she's like you've come <laughs> a long way you know um but no, they they gave me comfort meds. You know, we call them the Easter basket. You come up, you get your Easter basket, you take it, you go to sleep for a couple of days. Yeah. You know, hopefully you feel better when you wake up. Um, and there were a lot of um, people whose drug of choice was alcohol. So people having seizures and stuff, and you know, um, that wasn't really my gig. You know, alcohol was always like a part of it. Uh, alcohol I used as like a crutch to hold me over in the meantime while I was getting my next fix, right. you know. Um, you know, alcohol was like how we're drinking water, you know, yeah. it, was, it was like nothing. I would drink, I would drive, it wouldn't, you know. I didn't drink like, hey, I'm gonna have a drink, like I would, I would try to race myself on how fast I could finish a bottle, you know. So like, it didn't matter what I was doing. Like I was doing it to get fucked up mm. and
0: End goal is oblivion. And, and goal is
1: <laughs> to like be on the borderline of not being
0: here anymore. Mm. You know what I mean? Cause I wasn't happy with myself at all. And where do you think that came from too? Like where, like, obviously there was a need for to escape since oh, day yeah. one, yep. right? Since before mm-hmm. the drugs and the alcohol, right? When it was the attention. Yep. Where, where do you think that came from? Um, Like, origination?
1: I have no idea, man. I remember being a kid just not being happy with what I was doing. Like, I never was happy with, like, the decisions I made. But I would still make the shitty decisions, you know? Um, Like, I would never truly look in the mirror and be like... I mean, fucking kids, you know, when when you're 10, 11, 12 years old, you know, those kids don't go to school like, you know, who am I going to get a fight with today, you know? because I was just that combative, you know? Um, I was a bully, I was a class clown, you know? Anything to get that attention, that fix, that endorphin rush, mm-hmm. you know? Whether I was getting in trouble at school or, or I was getting in a fight and getting punched in the face, you know what I mean? I still still getting that rush in some sort, you mm-hmm. know? And uh, yeah, man, <laughs> it didn't matter. I would go looking for fights, get the shit kicked out of me and be fine with it, you know? Like, it is what it is. You never win, everyone,
0: dude. It's not, it's not a, it's not a thing, right? <laughs> so, so then you know, moving into moving into your your rec- actual recovery journey. Mm-hmm. So after that first stage, how mm-hmm. long did you stay sober for? I don't. Do you know, remember? I don't remember exactly. So I left. I was in milestone
1: for um, seven days. Um, I went in on February seventh. 2004 I got out on Valentine's Day and uh, that's that's where all these come from there's a story behind these people always wonder why so I so I have tell us about the roses so I got roses on my arm and um, so the first reason I got a rose and it took me a long time first of all I had a real shit I was all fucked up one day and I (laughs) we made a, a tattoo gun out of a hair clipper and I was real pissed off at this kid that got off on a case that I got smoked for so I wrote revenge in my arm right but we ran out of ink we we're fucking stupid <laughs> ran out of ink so it said reven r-e-v-e-n <laughs> and i had it on there for like fucking almost 20 years oh my god so um i wanted something to cover it up with and um met eric and uh you know we were talking about it so anyways i got picked up on valentine's day at milestone and uh my mother called and she said, I'm late, I'm lost. I don't know how to find you. And I said, it's fine, you know. I'm not I'm not going anywhere, they're not letting me out the door until somebody's here, Not right? in a rush either. Right? <laughs> it's like, you know, I was nervous as shit to leave treatment, man. Um, as much as it sucked and I hated it, like knowing that I had seven days of like clean time was like the most I had in as long as I could remember, you know, so um, my mom shows up I still remember she had a Nissan Altima. It was like fucking burgundy red. I still remember it. I used to steal it in the middle of the night while she was sleeping and go out and fucking do stupid shit. Um, she pulls up and, and she's bawling her eyes out, dude, like crying. And I'm like, I don't know about you, but when I see my mom crying, like something's up. You know what I mean? Who hurt you? Who did something to you? Like who, what are we got to do? You know, like <laughs> right. who, who's getting it, you know? And uh, she's like, no, no, it's nothing like that. I'm like, well, what, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Like, what's going on? And um, said she got lost. And, and uh, this milestone place is—it's uh, not in, like the worst neighborhood, like compared to what I was used to, you know. But in, in Portland, it's not the greatest part of town. And uh, she said, she said, so I got out to walk around to see if I could find out where it was. And um, she said, out of nowhere, this couple popped up. And uh, the man was in a top hat, had a cane, tuxedo. The lady was in a fur coat, had a bike all dressed up, Casablanca style, right, is what she said. And uh, she said, and they were like, are you okay? And she said, no, I'm trying to find my son. I don't know where he is. And they didn't even say anything to her. The lady pulled a rose out and said, your son will be okay. Or she hadn't said anything about me. She said, I'm trying to find India Street. And. Uh, she gave her a rose and said, Your son will be okay. And then they just walked away. So she's wow. like, What? Like a goosebumps dude, you know? And uh, so now my mom's crying, right? And I'm like, What the fuck? So she's like, No, I'm fine. I'm like, All right, well, let me drive. So I drove back to my mom's house. And um, the first thing to, she did was call my grandmother, my my nonny, So she's Italian. We're Italian. And. Um, she tells my nanny what happened, and my nanny starts to fucking bawling her eyes out on the phone, and I'm like, "All right, something fishy's going on here, right?" And uh, it's funny, I smile about it now, but um, so now my mother's freaking out, you know, like, "Why? What's wrong, mom?" And they're like, "Why are you crying?" You know, and she goes, "Listen, ever since Howie was 13 years old, I've been praying to Mother Teresa to watch over him and make sure he's all right." She goes, okay. She said, Mother Teresa's sign is a rose. And I, goosebumps again, you know. And, um, and that was like the first thing. And I was like, all right, that's, you know. At that time, I didn't know what God shots were or, or signs or, or anything. I would never pick up on that, you right. know. And uh, she was like, so what do you need to do? I said, well, they said I have to get to a meeting. So she brought me to a meeting, and um, it was at this place in Alfred, Maine. I'll tell you, this is, like, middle of nowhere, right? Just trees, and there's a lake and apple orchards. It's, it's beautiful. And um, it's called the Notre Dame Spiritual Center. And we pull up, and it's this big, old building built in, like, the 1600s. Oh, and wow. um Oh, it's old.
0: You see, not to, not to get yeah, up yeah. on a sidebar, but— Something about the East Coast, mm-hmm. beautiful old buildings, mm-hmm. a lot older than anything out here on the West Coast. You guys are a new state. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but, so you pull up this beautiful building.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, like to me, I'm scared shitless. You know what I mean? Because you can see people in the doorway. You can see them hugging each other and all that shit. And um, I said, okay, so I walk up to the door and they said, hey, you, you here for the the conference or convention? And I said, I'm here for the meeting. And they're like. Yeah, you're in the right spot. (laughs) (laughs) So I go in, and it's it's this old, like, wood-paneled building, and uh, you could smell food, and and there's just people talking to everybody. And it turned out that it was an actual convention, a weekend-long convention. And uh, I was like, so I had no idea. They're like, well, just hang out, dude. Like, you you know, stay as long as you want. And um, I said, okay. So I'm in this meeting, and um, it was in the middle of a snowstorm, and uh a lot of it was a pretty bad snowstorm the nor'easter they call it out there mm-hmm. and um a fucking tree fell on the building <laughs> knocked out all the power right and then i was like "Fuck, sweet we're out of here right like it's canceled it's done nothing was canceled dude oh wow they made sure everybody was all right and the fucking thing went on candlelight for the entire weekend if that's not
0: is it AA NA I don't, I think it was N-A. it might have been AA If that's not you know a it was one of the group other. I don't know what is Oh it was you know it was one of the powers out or not like we're still getting this recovery mm-hmm. you know it was
1: it was That's amazing Turns out that there, there was a number of uh buildings on property and the one next to it was an old airplane hangar which was actually a shelter which I utilized <laughs> later in my story um But yeah, everybody was cool. Um, I ended up staying uh, for a night, called my mother. You know, My mother thought I was lying to her, of course, naturally. You know, hey, Ma, it turns out they're having a thing and it's all weekend long and she's like, okay. Like, you know, her biggest thing is like, are you gonna be okay? Like, you're gonna be okay there, you know? I said, well, yeah, like they're all fucking sober Sober. (laughs) people. You know what I mean? (laughs) She's like, yeah, you know. Anything that was leaded towards recovery or, or her getting her son back, she was always a thousand percent in, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I stayed, I stayed clean for a little bit. <coughs> <Not> <coughs> excuse me. Not very long, but um, um,
0: I don't even remember how long, to be honest. What you say, like a couple months? Mm,
1: actually, I, probably longer than that. Okay. Probably a few months.
0: But that convention <clears throat> planted that seed for you. Yeah.
1: Man. You know? Yeah. That's, that's cool. That counselor at, at Milestone, you know, all you got to do is go to a meeting the next 24 hours, you know? And um, I was like, whatever. But, like, at this point, <clears throat> I was – man, I was – beat like mm-hmm. i was beat i had like 10 meals in me in the last two weeks and i felt amazing you know what i
0: mean <laughs> <laughs> well i mean that goes to show right like you're that's just kind of how you how you roll how you party you know what i mean like if All you're or nothing you're and and then to like you know spoiler alert you know you that was 2004 but your sobriety date is until 2018 2018 you know So that's 14 more years after being beaten, you know, to where I I had some sobriety. So then let's talk about that. So now, you know, now that you have that kind of the taste and the seeds been planted Mm. for your recovery, right? Like, um, which by the way, I think too, is such a, such a powerful thing. You know, recovery isn't a straight line, you know, and, and there's a, there's a, you know, yes and no. Yes and no. Yes and no. Yes because and no. you're you're right. Like, it would have it would have been a lot easier for all of us. Had I stuck the landing on the first time I got sober, my life would be, you know, probably pretty great. You know, I can only imagine. Super different, though. You know, but it would be super different. Super different. I, I probably wouldn't have a podcast. No. You know, probably, would probably wouldn't be talking wouldn't, to I you. I would never known you. Yeah. You know? Well, that's a fact, right? Because yeah. had I stuck the landing the first time, I never would have came out to Fresno had you Fucking stuck the Fresno. landing? had you stuck the landing the first time you would have never given I would have to never Fresno. I never even knew what the fuck Fresno was yeah you know? and we'll talk about that too for sure but so <laughs> you had uh you know you, you're you know the, the seed was planted seed right was like that planted, yeah. that and and I think anyone who has a recovery like long-term recovery you when you're first getting sober, you don't really know necessarily where the seed was, right? Mm-hmm. Like where, where the initial, you know, spot was where your recovery journey began. Mm-hmm. Um, or those God shots that you may not really realize happened until later on down the road mm-hmm. when you kind of see things in the, like a panoramic view, right. you know, but um, you know, you get that, you get those, you get those moments and that really show you that there's another way of living and they kind of stick with you. Yeah,
1: and I didn't even know that that's what was
0: happening. Yeah. So, so then after that initial, you know, introduction to recovery, Mm -hmm. how did how did life look? Um, Or you know what I mean? Before we get into that, what made you what made you relapse after that? Was there what, what, what were you slacking on? Now that I'm thinking about it, man, I stayed
1: I stayed out for a while. Like I stayed recovered for a while, or or let's just say I stayed abstinent a while you know um after that convention because we i had went with there was a couple people that were in uh the detox that actually went with me Mm -hmm. and i remember um that we were like okay well we got to go to more meetings you know and um ended up going to another meeting and this i think i had eight days i had like eight days sober when i walked into this meeting And like, it's probably one of the greatest part of my stories, but also it wasn't the best way to go about it. So I see this, uh, it was a AA, no, it was an NA meeting, and it was in Kenny Bunkport, and beautiful little coastal main town. And uh, I see this girl there, of course, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm fucking eight days sober, like I'm ready to tackle the world, right? See this girl, I'm like awestruck. You know, and I tell my buddy, I'm like, I'm gonna marry that girl, right? And he was like, Keep coming back, dude. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay. But um, so the sick, the sick Howie, um, made it so that I would, I would conveniently be at that meeting, like on a regular basis, you know, and um, start trying to converse and you know and I knew nothing about the steps or sponsorship what you should or shouldn't do all I knew was I wasn't getting high and um, so we started talking became friends and um, started going to meetings together and um, (laughs) like three and a half years later like we well started going to meetings together ended up um, getting close Um, I, I waited the year you know um, to pursue anything further and um, I had sponsors but they didn't know that they were my sponsor you know what I mean like <laughs> those are always the best <laughs> like, like he's my sponsor and they're like yeah uh, I didn't know you know um but uh it was um, it was like a year or so into it. I can't even remember it. but um we were hanging out a lot and uh, she had gotten off probation, and uh, she was like, well, I'm like, and she was in a sober living in Portland, Maine. I was at my mom's, which was like an hour away. And like, we would meet up and go to meetings and and hang out and just coffee, you know. Um, I literally lived on coffee for the first fucking 10 years of my sobriety, (laughs) you know. And um, she got off probation and we had come up with this idea like hey what do you want to do you know she was from massachusetts as well and uh i said you know and this is the sickest thing i've ever said in my using i said well i've never shot heroin and she was like bet (laughs) like let's go we'll go start shooting (laughs) heroin so like it was like a planned relapse Mm. and we did and um ended up getting a place together and all that and of course you know a couple months later all came crashing down and um so her parents put her in treatment I went back to mum's house of course good old mum, and um uh we eventually got married like <laughs> it's fucking weird you know and, um, Match made in heaven. Oh, it was so <laughs> fucking toxic, dude. So bad. So how long were you but, guys married for? Uh, I got married in 08 and divorced and finalized divorce. And I was out of the house in 2014. Mm-hmm. But then paperwork and all that good shit. Mm-hmm. So um, six years, seven years. But um, come to find out I wasn't even my true self then. You know, I had, I had been in the program. I stayed sober the, almost the whole time. Eight years, nine years, and um, uh,
0: turns out I was just in chameleon mode for that long, right? Going yeah. back to you know thirteen-year-old Howie, right? Like the chameleons, making
1: there. making myself what other people, what I thought other people wanted to see,
0: and and you know that's that's such a common thing for us, yeah, and. If we don't do something about it, it's going to stay there, right? It's not something that just goes away, no. you know? And we do the steps and, you know, we get, you know, we, we start getting some work done on ourselves and, you know, we feel better, yeah. you know, we feel better and we get out, we break out of that. But that's like a perfect example of how, you know, we, if we don't work on our character defects, like we can stay sick and we can stay, you know, not living our true potential, our true purpose. right? Yeah. Which I had no clue. Right. What what that was. It sounded like though at that time it's it's kinda what you, what you needed to learn. Yeah. So
1: I, I did learn a lot. Um, you know, after that I mean after the planned relapse, um, you know, I started to buckle down, get serious and um went through the steps a few times, bullshitted my way through, um, but picked up little tidbits along the way, you know, enough to put some sense into my mind that I just can't do it, you know? Like, I, a, at that point, I started to realize that there was there was no way that I could just do any of it, you know, like, because it, like, it's all or nothing, you yeah. know? Like, if I go out, like, I'm out, <laughs> like, right. out with a bang, you know? And it usually ends up hospitals, you know, jails, I've been to many times and uh it's just not worth it dude not worth it so i got divorced well (laughs) i uh i thought i was safe you know i thought i had uh i don't want to use the cured word because every time i hear it 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 pisses me off because i know there's no such thing you know um but i had worked in a bar and um the whole time that i was you know sober um, for me, substitution is a big thing, you know? So I would, I would kick the drugs and the alcohol and, and I would go full born to the gym and I would be, you know, I would do it, you know, I'd weigh my food and, and just eat what I had to eat. And, um, and that's what I used as like my coping mechanism. Cause I still hadn't at that point learned what an actual coping mechanism was, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, so I got offers to, you know, bounce in bars and I, I said, Well, I got I got X amount of time, you know, I'm fine and um and it was all right for a little while, but slowly after working in them one night, not even thinking about it, made myself a drink, went out, that was uh November of twenty fourteen. Mm. I didn't come home for three days. And uh let's just say that didn't go over very well and uh came home um ended up cheating on my wife and knowing what i had the little bit that i had known of of being honest and trying to be a better person came home admitted it and i had irish luggage man irish luggage i was out of the house
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) i was out to the curb to To the the curb curb brother yeah so then you know how long did that relapse go because that's a perfect example of how it can start with one drink Mm -hmm. and end up on a full-blown bender i literally left the house
1: and went to um i called a buddy of mine who, who was um renovating motels we lived in a little beach town renovating motels in the off season and i said yeah come on through you know you can stay here um Still had to go to work, you know. Another friend had let me use their car because I still didn't have anything in my name. You know what I mean? And um, started, you know, still went to work at that bar. And um, after that, yeah, like, it was a wrap, dude. Like, I went back, started doing coke at work. You know, I called the next day. I'm pretty sure the next day I called somebody. And I was like, hey, where can I need some dope. And so dope on the East Coast is heroin. Dope out here is meth which is, it doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> Dopey to me means down, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, and then um, I uh, I went back to work. I got fired because I didn't show up for three days and um, started selling dope, you know? Started selling, started sniffing dope because as long as I didn't put a needle in my arm, I'd be okay. Mm, the classic
0: rationalization. <laughs> That's a classic one. Yeah. You know, what's, what's interesting too is, so now with all the fentanyl and how heroin's basically Ooh. extinct, oh, yeah. right. What's the equivalent of that rationale for fentanyl? Because like, I know you back when we were getting high, mm-hmm. you know, and it's with needles and all that, all that fun stuff, you know, the rationalization was, Oh, if I'm not, if not, if I'm not banging dope, like it's okay. Mm-hmm. If I'm, snorting it or smoking it it's fine it's safer yeah it's yeah. safer yeah, yeah i'm not gonna overdose i'm not yeah. gonna, with and heroin then, it kind of was it, it w- in a you sense know? It, you know in a sense yeah. it was uh, that's y- you know you're not gonna fall out from right from smoking it i mean you get a little you know you get a little sleepy and that stuff but they, they, they were where our buddies were dying uh, it was when when they were shooting it yeah you know and yeah. i know the only ever times that i've overdosed on it was when i was shooting it yeah never smoking yep. it or snorting it no, so it was a waste you know yeah. and it's like little things <laughs> like that that are you know those little nuances of the denial are just gone now yeah because uh fentanyl is you it's it's can overdose if you smoke it snort it apparently if you touch it oh yeah those co- I, those have you seen those stories like the cops like overdosing because yeah. they like i don't know man you know how much of that shit i've touched and like
1: <laughs> never gone out you know what i mean like right Cause like towards the end, you know, like I didn't just like relapse at one time and then and then I was like good, you know what I mean? Like I, it continued for a long time. I moved to Massachusetts, nothing got better. I, you know, I still used the gym as my crutch and then um, I started shooting dope real quick, real quick, hooking up with old friends, you know, that I hadn't seen in fucking 10 years. What are you guys doing? Uh, same shit they were doing when I left. You mm-hmm. know, wasn't wasn't hard
0: to find what I wanted. Right. You know? <clears throat> well, and I th- I think about too like the old friends. It's like, you know, now I don't know about you, but now like if I were to go back to hang out with my old friends like I used to when I went to go relapse, like they're all fucking dead. Oh, yeah, dude. Right. I so, oh, I couldn't even tell you how many people I know that are, that uh, are dead now. They're all dead. A couple yeah. of them are like sober and. <sighs> you know in college and stuff but that's like two out of the the rest of the group that's just dead
1: i have a couple buddies that um they're like my my best friends and um man i'd gone home a couple times um let me think i had gone home after moving here once and and picked them up and He's like, is it is it cool if I get high in your car? I'm like, bro, like, you're going to get high either way, right? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, well, I'd rather you get high in my fucking car, because if you go out, at least I know it can fucking hit you, you know? And uh, fucking kid, man, you know, back of the Arizona can, fucking out, out, blue, instant. I'm like, this motherfucker, dude, right? Damn. Whacked him, sternum rub on the way to the hospital. <gasps> I'm like, this motherfucker. I'm like, bro, you got to go. Like, I've known him since I was... A little kid you know yeah. and it's just because it's all all now dude yeah you know? and towards the end of my using because when I went to Massachusetts man I went to the gym I had a little scare with my heart and uh I kind of passed out and I was in the cardiac thing for a while and it wasn't like a heart attack or something but they weren't they weren't too happy with with my lifestyle choices at that point you know um cleared but so my, my father died from sudden heart failure at forty seven years old and um and it's always been in the back of my mind and I used his death as an excuse to fucking get high for a long time. And um after going through that and all these stress tests in Boston hospitals and then you know, they're like, Oh no, you like you should be good <laughs> And so I just my nerves were super high, my anxiety was super high. So of course they were like, well, we'll give you something to, to calm you down. You know, like the thought of leaving the house and then just dropping dead was in the back of my head for like a long time. And uh, so they gave me like a script of Xanax, a script of Ativan. I was on like eight megs a day of, of Xanis and, and, and Ativan as needed, up to eight megs a day. And I was a fucking zombie, dude. Oh, I
0: bet. I was a wreck.
1: I, I bet, and every single day. Every day. And I still couldn't get out of the house I have a fucking panic attack. Crazy, you know? So I put myself into this trauma center, they would call it, and uh, to stabilize meds. And uh, it kind of worked, you know, I got my meds changed around, but ended up meeting a girl who worked there. And uh, long story short, you know, we ended up being together for a while and um, started doing coke. And, uh, you know, just as like a casual party thing, you know what I mean? They're, they're, let's just say, most of them were normies, so they didn't know what partying was yeah. in my eyes, you know? And uh, eventually I, I fucked her over, you know? Fucking ATM card, thousands of dollars, and just went out and got Coke and hid and fucking just got high, mm-hmm. you know?
0: Just never talked again. Wow. Crazy. And, you know, so at that, is that towards the tail end of your using? Like, are we Mm. coming up into like 20? It's kind of in the
1: middle. So, um, the heart thing happened in 2015 in February. In May of 2015, I had, um, this weird chest pain. So I went to the doctor and they felt around and they found some lumps and shit. And, uh, they uh, they like we're gonna put you in for a mammogram and like I was still big into the gym, so I was like super excited, but like kind of nervous at the same like excited for the fact that like my pecs were big enough to get a mammogram. You know, I, mean? I was like, <laughs> this is pretty sick, right? So you
0: were, were you big into like bodybuilding and yeah, stuff too?
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like I, you know, I tried to be, but for me, I was, I can show you pecs, dude. Like I was, I took it very serious, you know, because that was. At, at, at many points in my life, that's the one thing that was keeping me sober. I mean, I was keeping myself sober, but it was through the program of the the gym. I would say I people would say, "What are you doing?" I say, "I have a gym appointment," you know? and they were like, "You're so fucking sick, dude." You
0: know? Well, you uh, you know it's, you can't really meal prep heroin, can you? I mean, you can.
1: <laughs> you can. However, the rations don't usually last as long as you plan. <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> like you're like I got fucking this for tonight I'll save this for tomorrow right no never I would never go to sleep with anything
0: were you at were you ever <clears throat> were you ever at like a point where you were like training for bodybuilding and going shooting heroin no
1: no no if I wasn't in the gym I would tell everybody listen if you don't see me in the gym like there's something wrong I'm either I'm either really sick because um, a lot of people say, you know, oh, I feel like shit, I don't want to go to the gym. So you go to the gym, you sweat it out, you go to the sauna, usually you feel better, you know. You get all the toxins out. And um, and again, it goes all back to that all or nothing. Like, if I'm using, I'm all using. If I'm in the gym, I'm all in the gym, you know. And, um, you know, if if I'm in recovery, now I'm all in recovery, you know. Um, but... No, no, I would never. Back in the day, we would like do coke and go to the gym, you know, be like our pre-workout. Coke, aspirin, <laughs> and caffeine and like go to the gym. It's fucking disgusting. <laughs> but that was before I was super serious into it. Um, so they found these lumps. I went into the doctor and uh turns out I had a bunch of masses in my chest. So I had to go in for surgery and they took out a bunch of glands and masses and did the path lab and a few of them were cancerous. And um, yeah, so, you know, most people would be like, oh my God, you had, you know, you had fucking cancer and like it's the end of the world, you know? And I'm like, eh, you know what I mean? Like I gotta go to the gym, you know? Mm. And and I did, I left, I went to the gym. I went to surgery later that week and um, I left surgery because apparently had this crazy surgery, liposuction, like all the the liposuction, my whole bag. It looked bad, man. Like, it looked like I got run over by a city bus. And then they just wrapped me up and sent me home. I had these little weird drainage bulbs sucking fluid out of me every day. I had to empty them and shit. It was fucking wild. It was crazy. It was, I laugh about it now, you know what I mean? And, um, but I got sent home with a script of Oxy30s and Dilaudits. And instantaneously, like as soon as my, as my mother's the one driving me everywhere, you know. Uh, as soon as I remember, I left. I went to, to the store. I bought a TV, and then I went home and I just started crushing pills, and I just started sniffing pills. With and you and watching it, your new TV, my new TV, yeah. You know? <laughs> Drainage bulbs wrapped up. I had foam wrapped around me, and I thought it was great. Like a
0: roll of uh, like a roll of bubble wrap, oh, and you know, like and on dilaudid. <laughs> I was fucked up, man. Wow. I was a
1: wreck. But, you know, and this kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier about, like, the, the big pharma. So because I had a major surgery, right, whenever I called and asked for meds, they didn't even question it. I, I would sometimes every week, twice a week, they would, yep, it's at the pharmacy, yep, it's at the pharmacy. It went on for months, probably eight months, nine months, until wow. they said no. And when they said no, guess who I called?
0: The adult man, yeah, and then that because well, you are gonna get you are gonna get sick. Oh my god! Yeah, I already knew. Sick. Yeah, I already knew you are doing that much. You are doing that much opiates. You are gonna get sick. I already knew. You yeah, know, you know, and I am like, fuck, dude, I am doing pharmaceutical grade shit. You know, yeah. That was badass.
1: <laughs> fuck.
0: So then, it, you know, rolling into 2018, twenty eighteen, getting finally getting sober, July twenty yeah. first, July twenty
1: first. So um that's not the day that I. I I used that day because that's the day that I was still in treatment, and July 20th was the last day that I accepted any comfort meds. So once I was free and clear of like literally every substance, I used my date. I went into treatment July 3rd, Um, actually a few days before I went into another treatment facility from Maine, I was getting high. and lost somebody from getting high, uh, you know, and uh, it, was, it, was, it was a bad scene, so I got into a treatment facility, and um, I was all fucked up, and they put me on Klonopins, and, and uh, like two days two days went by, and I, I don't remember it being two days, I remember it being like hours, right, and they came banging on the doors in the bathroom, I was trying to shave, and um, they're like, you, you gotta pack your shit and go, dude, and I'm like, what, why? And they're like, you ripped out all the fucking security cameras and stole all the food out of the break room. I'm like, no, I didn't. <laughs> and they're like, come with us. Like, they, they could see that I truly didn't believe them. They're like, come with us. So they, like, lifted up my mattress, dude. I had literally hundreds of packs of saltines and peanut butter and fucking all the detox food, dude, under my bed, in my drawers. And they're like, oh, yeah, watch this, too. And they come and they bring me and they show me the security footage, and it's fucking me. Looking around at the camera, right? And I look, I wave, and I fucking reach up and yank it out of the ceiling.
0: No and shit. And I, to
1: every fucking camera on their screen. And I was like, what the fuck? And they're like, have you looked in the mirror? And I'm like, no. I looked, and I, I had been in the handicap bathroom for like four hours trying to shave my beard off, which was, I hadn't shaved in fucking forever, right? With a single bladed brick razor that you have to sign out because I don't want you killing yourself. And um, <laughs> I, had, I had made like, one checkerboard patch in the side of my face dude it's just bald <laughs> Shit. that was a fucking disaster bro so they, they kicked me out and um that was my mind you i'd been to every detox in massachusetts multiple times from 2015 to 2018 because there was that there was that ego and pride that didn't want me to go back into the rooms but then there was also that uh, glimmer of hope and that conscience in the back of my mind saying like you need to fucking get help you mm-hmm. know what I mean and I knew I needed to because I knew it would help right, right. but I just <laughs> I just kept doing stupid shit you know and I would go I would go into detox I would complete excuse me and they would say you want to go to further treatment I'm like nah I'm good I'd leave i fucking maybe maybe 12 hours I'd get high again and it would just repeat itself so 2018 I went to um I, mean, I I think I counted, I completed 19 detoxes in 2018, and I AMA'd out of quite a few, got kicked out of a couple. Um, so I left, I had turned my phone on, which was miraculous that I had a phone. I think it was an Obama phone, pretty sure it was. And, um, and I had a message from my, uh, <laughs> I call it my my Prime Choice Detox. It's called High Point Treatment Facility in Brockton. and. Um, and they left me a message they said, "Howie, we don't know where the fuck you are. We have a bed for you. Answer your phone, but you can't have a phone while you're in treatment," so I didn't get it. And I called them and um, it's it like it was to the point where I was uh, <laughs> it was uh, I was on a first name basis with everybody there, you know. "Howie, where are you? Are you okay?" They're, that's their number thing, and you know Counselor's big thing is, are you okay? Like at least let us let us know that you're fucking okay. You right. Know? Just at least, yeah, at least right, you can do. Right. Just a courtesy. So, I called. I I told them what happened, and um, they said, "We'll have them drop you off here. We have a bed." And uh, I said, "Okay." That was that was uh, July third, and uh, I got my Easter basket. I went to bed. I woke up the next evening. And I remember the fireworks from the yard. I remember that's how I remember. So, um, state funded. I didn't have insurance, nothing like that. And uh, I, I did my, you know, how, how you have to do your intake and you have to do your bio, you know. At least mine was easy because I was there just like a few weeks earlier, you know. And, um,
0: just they just you know asked you a couple clarifying questions what's different what happened
1: well so uh, they told me they said listen something's different like what happened so i told them everything that happened and um they said okay well what are you gonna do different and i said i'm gonna do everything you guys asked me to do and they're like okay i said they said well you know we asked you to do stuff before i said yeah but i never said i was gonna do it and they were like i said so if i tell you no Remind me that I told you to that, of this conversation, and they did, and they kept me there, and I did every fucking group, every fucking worksheet, everything. And you know, I, I wasn't trying to fudge, you know I mean, dude, I was a dickhead in treatment many times. You know They'd ask you for a sample and they'd give you a cup. I'd fucking shit in the cop, dude. <laughs> you know, here you go. like well you didn't specify you know that's just the dickhead I was when I was using you know and um, so my time came and they said so do you want to go to further treatment I said I'm willing to do whatever I gotta do and they said okay do you have a preference and I said I'd like to stay in High Point but I want to you know I'd like to go to Plymouth because it was a little more low-key it wasn't inner city it was Plymouth where Plymouth Rock is and the fucking pilgrims and all that shit and it's really nothing special but um it's literally just a rock um and uh so they came to me and they said hey there's no there's no beds so what's your second choice i said i'll just i'll just figure something else out and they were like nah they're like no we can't so uh the the next morning i woke up and it was supposed to be my discharge date and um i don't know if i should say too much but uh Legally, you're not supposed to discharge people if they're still on protocol on on methadone. Mm -hmm. And that's what I used that time, you know, because Suboxone made me real shitty feeling, or Subutex, or whatever. So I used methadone. And um, out there, you can't detox or you can't discharge people if they're still on protocol. You can AMA, sure, they can't hold you there, but they can't legally sign the papers and say they're good to go, you know, because they didn't finish their taper. So I hear my name, Howie! the fuck do you guys want, you know what I mean, I'm ready to leave, and I go to the window, and they're like, here's your methadone, and I was like, what the fuck, and they just looked at me, and uh, she was like, here's your methadone, and I took it, and it bought me another few days until there was a bed ready, so I went to further treatment, CSS, clinical stabilization, and um, it all comes back to this. I gotta do my bio, gotta do my intake, right? I got there late at night, and um, next day I meet with my, my caseworker, go through my bio, she pulls up, and I was the last person, <laughs> I remember this too, I was the last analog file that this place had. Oh, before
0: they went digital? Yeah, oh, so shame. they
1: had my file, which was fucking probably close to as thick as my criminal record, and uh So they had to go through it, scan everything, every page. So she's like, it would probably be easier if we just went through a a new bio. And I said, I hope your fucking calendar's clear. (laughs) Because this is the short version, you know? And um, so I get talking to her and I get telling her about everything. And and then, um, um, you know, of course I'm super judgy in my own head. She doesn't know, you know, she definitely hasn't been through the same shit that I've been through, but. They told me I have to do it. This is what they suggested, so I did it, and I sat down, and when I got to the point where I was telling her about my mother and my grandmother with the rose, my fucking caseworker started bawling her eyes out, and I was like, what the fuck is happening, right? <laughs> and uh, She goes, um, she said, yesterday was my day off. That's wh- Oh, no, that's what it was. It was her day off, which is why I couldn't do the bio when I got there because she wasn't there, so the next day. And I said, okay, so no big deal. <laughs> like, why are you crying? And she pulled her sleeve down, and she said, this is what I did yesterday. And she got a tattoo of a rose. And I was like, what the fuck? Did a goosebumps again? And I was like, what the fuck? And I was like, all right. So now I'm thinking it's this, you know, fall the white rabbit thing, right? So there's always these signs. And um, so she said, listen, like, There's a program out here that's that's really good. Has a really good success rate. They're fucking stupid expensive. She said, but you know, I know a couple people who who work there. And um, why don't you do me a favor and and write your story on paper? And I'm like, fuck, I don't want to write my shit down, right? I don't. I'll tell it to anybody. I don't want to write it down because then it's real, Mm. and I can see it, you know. But uh, she said, you know, I think it would be good for you because you do have a little experience. You have life experience, you know. I said, all right, fuck it, I'll do it. So I took one of those composition notebooks, those little black and white ones, and I just started fucking laying shit down. I filled up three quarters of that notebook, and then she's like, I, th- I thought it was just gonna be like, I was like, well, you told me to write the story. <laughs> I fucking wrote the story, right? And uh, so she was like, all right, give me give me a couple days. Like, I'll, I'll get it scanned and faxed, and, and, and I'll let you know what happens. And uh, she called me in and uh, she said, yeah, so um, you're going to the Brook Retreat. And I was like, no fucking way. Yeah, I mean, it took a little while, but I got in and um, I told them the same thing. Like, listen, like I'm here to listen. I'm here to learn, you know, have you been through the steps before? Yes, I have, but I bullshitted my way through them. Like I'm here to do it. And, um, and I did. I stayed everything and that was you know that was summer of 2018 and um, fuck been sober ever since
0: wow yeah and so you know all those co- quote-unquote coincidences mm. right that led up to you finally getting clean and sober and getting an honest shot in a in a um you know your best chance at success with everything lining up perfectly perfectly right like you know it'd be it'd be nice to say that everything went perfectly smooth sailing since then right but yeah how has how has your recovery been how has your recovery journey been like the highs and the lows and the and just everything that life's thrown at you since you've been sober because that was in Massachusetts, right? Yeah. Now you're here in Fresno. Yeah. Lots changed. I was I was there for a little while. So I put
1: together just about 18 months out there. So um, I had stepped down from the house, the the recovery house, and then um, they had a couple sober livings that were um, a little more in town. It was funny. They're actually in in the town that I was born. So I ended up back, like, where my, my whole story started, you know? And um, – I just kept doing, you know, got a get well job, just working and um, trying to save money and just doing life and, and, and starting to learn the balance of life, you know what I mean? The balance of what I need to do, because what I need to do is stay sober, because if I don't, then I'll have nothing to balance. Then it'll just be fucking jails, institutions and death, you know what I mean? And at that time and all had been around and you know i had had fallen out a few times and um luckily i had people there as if not i wouldn't be here but um trying to think of the best way to put it there's been a lot of ups so a lot of opportunities um i was able to get in with two other guys and we started a um a treatment facility not treatment facility treatment house recovery house um and I was able to um, reach out to the community. It was a small little harbor community, haba, you know. haba, A harbor community. It was situate, Massachusetts, and um, beautiful little town. Um, and I was able to bring guys, you know, we would bring them in the house, and, and, and the goal is to show them a new way of life, right? I mean, and the way that it was shown to me was through the steps, which finally I now <laughs> believed at that point. You know, I could see it working. Um, but I was able to, you know, do their food, bring them to the gym, um, you know, help them get the the physical aspect. You know, out of the whole the whole mind body spirit triangle. Um, you know, there's very few facilities that that take the physical aspect into it. You know, and and it's it's funny because. A lot, I mean, a lot of drug use, except for a few exceptions, is all physical, you know. The withdrawals, right? there's a lot of psychological, of course, with everything, but if you can replace that physical shittiness feeling with, you know, and especially like visually rewarding, um, you know. Um, so I was able to, to do that for a while and it was super rewarding, you know. Um, shit happens. Uh, we had a not a huge falling out, but it just, we went separate ways, and, um, uh, and b- ended up back at Mom's, and, um, ended up talking with somebody from my past who just so happened to live out here in Fresno, and, uh, seemed like an excellent idea, so just after Christmas of 2018, I, I uh, hopped a Greyhound and moved out here. And uh up until then, it was all, it, literally it was all meetings and, and just being surrounded by people who, who were doing the right shit, you know? And a lot of it had to do with the, the gym, you know? But um, it was funny, for the longest time, I didn't know. On my mother's street, like one block down, one block, I think it was like a block or two down, I could see it from her house. This, this big old Victorian mansion, it would have been a mansion back in the day. and. um A fucking sober house. I'm like, no way, dude. So I end up meeting these people at the meetings. They're like, oh, yeah, we're on fucking Broadway in North Attleboro. And I'm like, I live on fucking Broadway in North Attleboro. You know, they're like, dude, come down. So it was cool because it just worked out perfect, you know, picking people up, bringing them to meetings and stuff. But um, yeah, California seemed really enticing. Um, In my using days, I would go wherever I could. You know, I've been everywhere on the East Coast. Maine to Miami, all the way back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And um, none of them really did anything for me because I wasn't in the receiving mode of doing anything, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I came out here. I landed here on uh, January 1st, 2019. So I've been here four years, just over four years. Yeah.
0: And yeah. You, <coughs> you know, you had Um. you know since you've been in so you had 18 months and then you you came out here and since you've been in Fresno you've been able to accomplish a lot yeah some days I you know
1: recovery wise absolutely like leaps and bounds you know more than I ever thought fathomable like it would have never I would have never seen myself sitting here you know being involved with what I'm involved in now um had a couple of hiccups along the way, you know. Um, but when I first came here, the first thing I did was found an SLE to move into, and I moved into um, Christian Sober Living with Paul Gilman down on Temperance and Barstow, I think it is.
0: It's like way out there in Clovis, huh? Yeah, I, did, yeah. But I didn't
1: I didn't. know, you know what I mean? I'd, yeah. I'd look at a Google map and be like, fuck, that's close enough to everything. Right. You know? <laughs> and. Um, it was cool, you know, it's a little, a little different, it's not, it's not what I would say I practice on a daily basis as far as my recovery goes, but it got me to the point that I needed, and um, yeah, I had 18 months before I came here, and it's funny because I was at morning maintenance one day, and they were doing, it was a chip meeting. And I heard 18 months. And I'm
0: like, what the fuck?
1: I've never heard of an 18 month chip before.
0: They don't have them. I've never heard of
1: it. And I understand no why way. they call it a fucking cry baby chip. Now.
0: Yeah. They're yeah. little 18 months. and like their little chip. Can't know? wait another year. Yeah, no. I give
1: people shit about it all the time. Oh, it's so good. It's a cry baby chip. Cry baby chip. A baby chip. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to make one. That's specifically right. That's right. About. Um, so yeah. And then, um, this whole time I'm, I'm talking to this individual and, um, uh turns out that uh let's just say f- for lack of time, let's say um, the story that was presented to me I was I guess I'm r- I was very trusting you know and I'm still very trusting because most people I associate with are in, are in the program you know what I mean and and most of us are doing the right thing you know um so I uh, was very trusting and a lot of the story about you know recovery and um housing arrangements and um stories and past and and all that just turned out not to be what it presented itself to be let's just leave it at that probably the nicest way I can say it and um you know and that's fine whatever it's, it's just another little hill and valley of, of my story right um but it uh Let's just say it it ended abruptly and all for the better. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that person has their own story and their own demons that they got to deal with and their own truths and their own, um, let's just say their own truths, Mm -hmm. you know.
0: So, So then, you know,
1: now going from. I mean, in the meantime, I met you. Yeah, you, you know, did. That whole that whole fucking jamble that I was going through, you know, that's when I met you. Yeah. And
0: uh that was a wild time too, thinking back to twenty nineteen and it was like how
1: just when they started announcing the whole COVID bullshit.
0: Yeah. As like a possibility. Yeah. Well, and you know, the other thing too, I remember like back then there was such uh And there still is, but I feel like it's changed a lot in the sense that like with, especially with the opiates, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, there was for, for AA or for an opiate addict going to, you know, basically, you know, to get sober and to get dialed into a solid 12 step group, Mm -hmm. um, And this is this could just be a Fresno thing, Um, because like, you know, I I don't getting sober long term. You know, I've been to NA meetings elsewhere, but there um, I couldn't really didn't really connect as well to the NA meetings here in Fresno. Um, Nothing against them. I have a lot of friends who are sober through NA Mm -hmm. and are living happy lives. Right. For some reason, I couldn't I couldn't get into it, and and there was this, and it seemed like there was this little little group of us that were just hardcore heroin addicts hiding out in AA, Yeah, you know, you definitely, um, considered you one of those people. I definitely definitely was, you know, (laughs) um, there's a group of us and, and it was, it was, you know, it was a time because, you know, it goes to show, right? Like, right. Obviously times have changed, but it goes to show that like, you know, doesn't matter who you are, what's going on with you or your past or anything like that like you can find recovery through the 12 steps oh, yeah. you yeah. can find recovery in any meeting you go to yep. you know and uh, you know now now it's a little bit different you know now there's some stuff happening uh-huh. you know there's some stuff happening so <laughs> I want you to, you know to and we'll have another we'll have we'll dive into this a lot more later yeah. on we have some more stuff in the yeah. works but you know kind of just tell us a little bit about what you're working on now what we're doing um,
1: <laughs> so I left a meeting one night and a lot of HA, you know, there's a lot of stories of, of, and especially like even like working in, in, in SLE and, and testing people. Like no one tests positive for fucking opiates anymore. It's all fan, all right. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, to touch on the, the aspect of like not feeling like you fit in at certain meetings and, and especially AA, and I, there's a lot of great AA meetings out here, and there's a lot of fucking amazing people in AA out here, you know, um, and I feel it too sometimes, like, if I, because my, my instinct is to share on my drug use, you know what I mean, because alcohol was always there, but, like, I'd crack a beer, and the first thing i think of was, like, <laughs> where am I getting get a coke, and where am I gonna dump, you know, the beer was just to hold me over while I was waiting for a response, um, so I was sitting at home one night, and, uh, I was talking to my buddy Danny, and uh, I said, "You know, why?" I said, "There has to be like in my mind. I'm like, this has to have had like there has to be fentanyl anonymous meetings, right? There has to be. How can there not be? There's overeaters, there's gamblers, there's sex, there's AA, you know. Um, so I did a couple little searches, and I couldn't find anything. So um, turns out that it 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 was never done, and 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 I took it as a sign that we needed it you know um so uh through a lot of research and everything we we founded fentanyl anonymous and um trying to trying to do more of um basing it off the 12 steps of alcoholics anonymous because that's what finally worked for me Mm -hmm. um you know I, i got that Prejudice out of my mind that oh no I'm a drug user this is not going to work you know and and that's not true you know in my opinion the twelve steps would work for every human on this planet mm-hmm. but a lot of them don't want to hear that and they get really mad when you tell them that right I've I've tried
0: yeah um, well and and think about too how many people die oh how many people die obviously just from fentanyl alone oh, right but how how many people die because there's no bridge. There's no bridge. You know, by, by by the grace of God, right, like, we had a bridge. We had a seed planted, and mm-hmm. we had someone show us that the way, mm-hmm. right? Like, uh, I had a lot of very, very just amazing heroin addicts that I met in AA who showed me, like, the twelve steps is yep. the way, yep. you know. A lot of great people, a lot of great alcoholics that showed mm-hmm. me AA was the way, yep. you know, or the I, I shouldn't say AA, but the the twelve steps, the, the, steps the twelve and steps, the right? Yeah. You know, because yeah. we're 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 fucked up. We're sicker than most, <laughs> we are you know, sick. and we're like and the worst so of the worst. sicker than most, and yeah.
1: Like it's, you know, and, and and it's funny because I I can relate to everything they say, you know what I mean, like I did fucking heroin alcoholically, mm-hmm. you know what I mean I wouldn't stop. Until I was on the verge of death, or sometimes past the threshold and had to be brought back, you know, and um,
0: and it just it just made sense, you know. Well, you know, our one of our old timers that goes to you know AA around here and mm-hmm. HA and he's a you know he's great dude. He's probably got forty three years of sobriety now. And Mike, I think um, I know who you're speaking of. Yeah. Yep. Um. Sh- shouts out to Mike mm-hmm. and. He says, he'll go to AA, and he's like, I found the cure for alcoholism. And there's a pause, and he's like, I started shooting heroin. (laughs) And I I love love that. I love that. Because I drank like a fish Mm -hmm. until I found heroin. Yeah. I drank like a fish. I would drink till I was throwing yep. up and I would try to hold in my throw up so I wouldn't have to throw up because I right. knew that I kept it in That's there longer it's going to get me more yeah. drunk. Yeah. And then I found heroin and I didn't need to drink like that anymore, you know. Yep. And and so the but th- you know think about how many people die because there there's no bridge because they think that oh I'm too I'm not an alcoholic mm-hmm. whether you are or you're not doesn't matter we nope. realize that that the alcoholism isn't even the root of our problem right, right? we have a spiritual malady right. you know and so you know what you did with creating the Fentanyl Anonymous is so powerful because hopefully it is that gap it is that bridge that that bridges the, the those you know it, those young people because a lot of it is young people you know that's what's being affected by this you know and and
1: that's the scary part you know it's because you'll get people kids you know and and I get it they're not kids kids but they're kids to us you know
0: well but it's like they have their whole life out of them
1: and they literally go out some of them are just starting to experiment Mm -hmm. you know and like you know knowing what I know now I wouldn't advise experimenting but like fucking people well, experimenting to experiment.
0: used to be a whole lot safer way different
1: we knew what we were experimenting
0: with you know if i got a bag of coke sophomore year mm-hmm. it was gonna be coke or at worst like baby laxative <laughs> fucking know Nositol. Know I mean? yeah you know what <laughs> i mean okay I'm, I'm gonna be on the toilet for a long time. right right right, right. but i'm worst still gonna do scenario. it yeah worst case scenario yeah. you know now it's a whole different a whole oh, yeah. lot different i mean yep. even even in 2015 when you got a pressed xanax oh yeah it was like I mean, me and my buddies, we used to look, look for the fake Xanax because the fake Xanax usually fucked you up more, yeah. you know, but it wasn't fentanyl. No, you know, or if it was it, we weren't getting it. Yeah. You know, now it's, it's everywhere. Yeah. But fuck what you did with the FA was incredible. So, you know, and, and, you know you went about it legitly you got the you know you got the, the what is it the copyright the patent well we had you
1: know yeah. you have to file licenses with the state and the feds and get ein numbers and all that and file for your 501 c3 and we, when we did all that um you know it's going to be a little bit different um because you know it's 2024 and we're trying to modernize it so that it, it reaches more people and and that we're not um It's funny, like I wanna say that we're not anonymous. You know what I mean? Like we want people to know that people who are seeking recovery, like it's not a weakness. You know what I mean? Like it's one of the hardest fucking things you can do. And um, acceptance of of everybody is one of our huge things. So like an all-inclusive, you know, because some people do feel judged in AA, some people do feel judged in NA. Like we want a place where like if you have a problem that you can't control and your life becomes fucking unmanageable because of it, come through. You know, it's not going to be, you know, you can't say this and you can't say that. And and they're not all like that. But I just want there to be, you know, um, a super welcoming place that has a solution mm-hmm. if you want it, you know. Because it was given to me. It was given to Danny, you know. And he's, he's my... You know he he grounds me a lot because man I fucking I think big you know and 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 um he's got to bring it down to all right well right now you know what I mean Look, what are we doing right now you know because in my mind I'm already I got a city you know what I mean mm-hmm. in in some way shape or form but um
0: yeah I don't know if I want to do a shameless plug but. That was actually my next yeah. my next thing. So shameless plug it. So plug. how can how can listeners find more information about FA? Um, so the website would be fentanyl-anonymous.org.
1: Um, fentanyl anonymousorg dot Instagram fentanylanonymousorg at fentanylanonymousorg. We also have a Facebook page. Um, and if you want to just come out and, and check out a meeting, um, the meetings start Monday, March fourth. 6:30 p.m. at the First Street Church, here in Fresno. Um, I don't know the exact mess, uh, address, but it's the only First Street Church here in Fresno. Yeah, if you look up, and, yeah. and, and, and guess guess what street it's on? It's on First Street. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's easy to find. Yeah, um, but they're they're super helpful. They're super great, um, great accommodating, great people over yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, great people over there. And, um, yeah, the so, response has been. I mean, but dude, I would have never never in a million years you know i wouldn't even if i had that thought like hey we should do this you know what i mean i would have never pursued it or i would have i would have talked myself out of it or something you know mm-hmm. um but just being open and receptive to those little um god shots that right. we get
0: you know like I think all of us get those God shots. It's whether we, it's like whether we act on them or not, whether we let the, pr- uh, the pride or the fear that we have in our minds, like, you know, we'd let that go to the side and we, you know, do what, what we're, we're being called to do. Right. Uh, everyone right. in recovery has a calling. Right. You know, everyone, right. You know, whether it's, you know, whether it's something simple, you know, or something, something big, right? Like everyone has a calling. And, you know, I think that's, part of when they say don't give up before the miracle happens Mm -hmm. you know had you given up on all those times that were hard for you in this recovery oh god you know none of this would be possible yeah and and no no I'd be I mean with
1: the way the the drugs are now like there's no question in my mind dude like I, I would be dead Mm-hmm. No question, because I didn't. I didn't use. I wasn't one of those. Hey, let's do a test shot type of person. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I'd see how much that person's doing, and I would.
0: I would do it, or I'd want to beat it. You know. Right. And. Uh, yeah, and and you know, for. For us too, I don't I'll speak for myself actually, but, you know, it was there was a, there was an infatuation with the needle. Oh, <laughs> I listen. You know, I got some fucked up stories about needles. Yeah, like.
1: I would be like waiting for the dope man, and you know you'd be pulling cottons, just trying to do something. Sometimes, dude, I would just bang water,
0: just to get that fixation, you know. And um, so, I I can't imagine pairing that with with fentanyl addiction, you know, like modern day fentanyl addiction. And and you want to know something real sick? It's like we would
1: when it first came around, you know. Everybody would mislabel it. Oh, it's it's China White and all this other bullshit names. You know, I remember being in that detox that I got sober in. And there was four dudes that were like, fuck this. We're going to AMA. We have a car outside. Right. And they like went outside, met the dope man in the parking lot of the fucking detox and got high. And th- they all went out. One dude woke up and the other three were dead in the parking lot of the detox. Wow. Dude. Like. And that shit happens all the time. I, I remember one weekend, like when it first came around, there was like 72 deaths in Brockton alone on a Saturday and a Sunday, and those are just reported deaths. Like it came, it came in fucking heavy. like a wave, <laughs> and it never left. Yeah, you know. And then whenever I would go out, you know, we'd hear people falling out, and we were the sick ones going, "Where'd they get it?" Mm-hmm. You know, and we would go get it because yeah. it
0: was stronger. Right. Know? is the the quote unquote good shit. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Man, it's just times are times are changing. You know? And yeah. it's good to be on this side of It's good to be on this side of addiction. Listen, I'm just grateful that
1: you know, I have a little bit of knowledge and, you know, now, dude, meetings are so different now, you know, like going back to the history of AA, right? Like meetings were created to find sponsees. That's like why they started them because they wanted to find other people who were searching to get better you mm-hmm.
0: know well and, that, and that's i mean that's this is a little like working theory that i have yeah you know um is that how i find a good 12-step group like i have a couple of meetings i go to on a rig on a, on a weekly basis mm-hmm. here in fresno yeah. and the preface of those meetings of why I love them so much is because the emphasis is on step 12 mm-hmm. and step one, yep. right? Six through 11, you do with your sponsor. Yeah, of you know course. what I mean? That's yeah. where, that's where the bread and butter is, right? Yeah. You know, but if you, if people aren't reaching their hands out to shake the newcomer's hand mm-hmm. after the meeting, it's, it's a bunk meeting it's right yeah. it, what's the point you know it's what's the it's point literally you got, a social function you got at that point. you got three you know you, you know you got you got you know three dudes that you know with 10 plus years sober that just walk out the door and go in their car and drive off right, right? or they're just or those three dudes with 10 plus years sober just sitting there talking to themselves right. talking to each other right. at the end well, you have the newcomer just kind of sneaking out the back door right. What the fuck? And showing up. Getting, What's that? Getting a signature. Yeah. What's you know? that? Yeah. Oh, corner them. Talk yeah. to them. Yep. You know. So I don't know. I, I think, I, I like I said, I'm not all powerful and all knowing, but you know, that's that's what I base my that's what I base my 12-step meetings on. Who knows? Next year I could have a whole different you know reason why I go to meetings, but yeah, that's you know, I love I love that. That's the energy that I look for in a meeting. I um, it just makes you feel good. You know what I mean?
1: Or like, it's funny. I you know, get like these little rewarding moments. Like I'll share. And somebody will come up and say, you know, thanks for your share. Like I could identify or I could relate to what you were saying, you know. And I remember just saying that to people and wondering like if that'll ever be, if I'll ever be in that situation, mm-hmm. you know, having fucking three days or four days or right. still kicking and freezing inside of my hoodie. You know what I mean? Like, yeah
0: and uh that new perspective right like we we forget we're so fast to forget how fucked up we were yeah so i love this that's why i love this podcast you know it's just because we just get to talk about fucking war stories and just remember how sick we were and hopefully the people who are listening can remember and relate to how sick they were you know to get a little gratitude
1: well yeah because you know because Without I,
0: gratitude and humility, like I would forget where I came I, from. I need that. I need, yeah. I need daily doses oh of gratitude. Yeah, yeah. Check this out. This is a great story. Okay. I'm tell, I haven't even told you this yet. Oh, I was no. actually saving this for the podcast. Okay. So two, uh, was it two nights ago? Three nights ago? No, it had to have been, it had to have been almost five nights ago, I think, because it was last Wednesday. Okay. Wednesday night. Um, um, no, no, it was, yeah, it was Wednesday night. It was Wednesday night. So, Five nights ago, I'm packing everything up, getting ready. I'm 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 at the office. Uh, I'm getting ready to go home, and um, I had a, I'd uh, just gotten a new barbecue. Okay, right? so I had this big, you know, we build like a new something. Yeah, you get all this cardboard. Yeah, and I'm like, there's no way this all this cardboard is going to fit in my my uh, <laughs> my recycling can. Yeah, at my house. So what I did is I I just threw it in the back of my car and. Um, So I'll drop it off at the big dumpster at work. Mm -hmm. So I go and uh, I'm packing up everything, getting ready. And I walk down to the car and I remember, oh, I got to go throw the cardboard away. So I go, I take the cardboard. And, uh, you know, we're here on Sean Blackstone. So it's, you know, there's a lot of, you know, homeless people that kind of frequent the area and whatnot. Um, You know, usually they're pretty nice and everything. Um, remind, Remind me a lot of my... Myself in the sense. Yep. Right. You know, yep. when I was getting high, how, um, I, I hung around areas with a lot of foot traffic so I could panhandle and stuff like that, you yep. know, but that's the first shit I forget yep. when my life's good. Yep. I forget I'm homeless unless, unless I start talking about stories. I forget why life is so good. I'm the furthest thing from homeless. There hasn't been a day in the last five years that I don't know where I'm gonna rest my head at night. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. But, I go and I take this box over to the recycling bin and there's some dude. He's getting after it. You know, he's going, he's getting all the recycles out of there. He's, he's in the dumpster, yep. completely in the dumpster, throwing cans in there. And I'm like, I'm like, Hey, what's up? Is there, you know, is there room for room for a little cardboard in there. I got this big box. Oh yeah. Come on here. He takes it from me. Yep. I got you. I got you. And I'm talking to him and, um, I'm just asking him how he's doing. And he's like, you work at the rehab over here. I'm like, yeah, Oh, that's good, man. That's good. Yeah, I know I know a couple people need to go to rehab. And I'm like, Yeah, yeah, you know, we're we're always open. And he's like, Yeah, yeah, you 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 know you know that guy who drives a motorcycle from Boston? And I'm like <laughs> I I'm know like, who you're talking and about. And I'm like I'm like, Yeah, Howie, yeah, that's my that's my buddy. He's like, Oh yeah, oh, it's a good dude. Oh, that guy that guy gave me five bucks the other day. Ah, oh, love Howie. Great guy, great guy. <laughs> and I'm just like, Man, you know, like that's if that's not what you know how small this this world is right what are the odds you know that um right like anyone could have given him five bucks I'm sure multiple people have given him five bucks probably you know what I mean but the fact that he remembered your name and you made an impact and you made a you made a uh yeah, an impact in on on that guy's life, what you know, you know it was, and it was, just the five dollars and the conversation you had with him, you know what I mean? Like I to where he's like that guy Howie from Boston. Yeah. Or, no, he said. He said, oh, that guy from Boston, you know? Wow, yeah. oh, Howie. And yeah. I'm like, yeah. And he's like, oh yeah, I remember. And he told me this whole story. Oh, oh, I made sure I remembered his name. I'd, there's a street in, in, in Stockton named Howie. And, and I was just like, <laughs> oh, that's great. And he, oh, I love that guy. He's a great guy. But like, you know, the, we're sicker the most. Like, we're, we're I'm, a, I'm a steal whatever's not nailed down mm-hmm. when I'm shooting dope. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna hurt my friends, my family. I don't care. Strangers. You're the same way, yep. you know. This you're the same way, and yet you're you're out there making like an impact on on everyone you meet. You know what I mean? Like he, that's crazy. This is for, this is this is a busy area. I guarantee you, he he walks down to to a fashion fair and gets money all the time I'm from sure. panhandling. Yeah. But yet he remembered your name. Yeah, he remembered you. You made an impact.
1: I, I have to clarify something though, because I remember that night, and uh, I didn't have any cash on me. So Antonio and Vaughn gave him five bucks. Oh but wow. we all sat out there and we talked to him, and um, it was one of the, the recent cold nights. And um, I had told him about the uh, the hot shelters that they have. I said, listen, like if you need a place to fucking stay and get warm, and we looked him up and we told him directions how to get there, and you know, gave him a few cigarettes and. You know, oh,
0: that's awesome. It almost,
1: it almost, you know, it's the fact that somebody remembers your name. Mm-hmm. You know, like before, I was just that dude who took your change. Right. You know. Yeah. That's crazy that he yeah. remembered me. Uh, he's oh, he was.
0: <laughs> and he. Oh, I, I, for, I forgot his name too. He told me his I, name. Right. I forgot his name. Now I feel like I, an, I feel I like feel an, an idiot an asshole because yeah.
1: <laughs> I meet so many people, right, and I have all these great conversations with people, and and. And I, and I have to put like a, a piece of symbolism with their name or else I won't remember it, you know. And I could just be fucking burnt, I don't know, or I just meet too many people, it could be both. But,
0: um, yeah, I mean, we talked, to we were out there for like 35, 40 minutes, man, just shooting the shit, you, well, you, you made You made his day. Well, and, that's, and that's the thing too is it's like we, it doesn't take a lot to make people's day. Mm-mm. You know, we really just, just got to put in a little bit of effort, right how many interactions we have with people throughout our days and how many opportunity, how many missed opportunities we have that we have power to change mm-hmm. you know and i think too that's that's something special that all of us have right you know what i mean there's there's times where when i'm in my own shit i have to make it a point to go to a meeting and talk to a newcomer mm-hmm. like i have to make it a point yeah. right you know what i mean cuz i to
1: talk to both yeah I'm like somebody who has way more time than me and then somebody who well,
0: yeah because that's if, if we don't we get stuck in our head mm-hmm. we get stuck in our head quick real yeah. easy yeah so <laughs> I just had to share that as that was that that's was, crazy that was so great man. yeah he yeah. was oh, he's such a nice guy so you know we're, we're coming towards the end of the episode yeah. but I want to give this opportunity to you if there's any piece of advice like mm. this is like the aneurysm moment where if <laughs> if, if, if every listener, who's listened to the episode this far mm-hmm. just has a brain aneurysm and forgets everything that they've, li- that they've heard, mm-hmm. what would be the one thing you want them to take away from this episode? Like a one-liner or uh, just, just whatever? Hit, hit, hit us with that. Wh- whatever. The, the nugget one of truth. thing to take away.
1: No matter how bad you think it is. Actually, let me say two. No matter how bad you think it is, it could always be worse. And no matter how bad you think it is, there's always a way out. Absolutely. There is. Absolutely. And that's probably the simplest way I can put it. That's perfect. You know, And uh, there's always somebody willing to help. You know, if you're willing to seek it and you're willing to change, if you have willingness, you know, if you if you have, uh, and that's all it starts with. Yeah. If you have the willingness, shit will
0: change. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Hallie, for hopping on the podcast. Thanks, I, I appreciate you. Um, stay tuned. We, we're going to have him um, and the co-founder of FA come on, uh, come on the show and kind of give us a little more, especially after the first meeting starts. When's the first meeting again? First meeting is uh, Monday, March 4th. 6:30 p.m. This time, timestamp this for the for the rest of eternity because yep. this podcast will be there for the rest of eternity. Yep. March fourth, yep, 2024, founding
1: meeting, 6:30 p.m. Yep, of Fentanyl Anonymous, Fresno, California.
0: Shouts out to the 559. I mean, <laughs>
1: like there 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 really isn't a better place to do it. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um and I hate to say this, but, like, it, it's it's going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah. You know. And, um, you know, who knows where it takes us, but, you know,
0: we have a solution. That's right. You know. Absolutely. And, uh, we're, we're willing to give it out. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for hopping on the show. And, you know, thank you for uh, everyone who's listened to the episode, listened this far. Um, you know I appreciate all the support and love that you guys uh, that you guys give the, the, the podcast. Um, you know it's getting cold out there so don't forget to get yourself a hoodie. We got the new sicker than most hoodies out. Um, you know if you have any any questions or any any you know anything you'd want to say directly to us I always butcher this but the Wi-Fi or the Wi-Fi what am I talking about <laughs> the, the Gmail, to get a hold of sicker than most is sicker than most of them, or uh, sicker than all of them. See, I'm already butchering it. Hold on here. Hold on. Let's see. Here it is. Sicker than most of them. So sicker than most of them. Of them. There we go. I think that that original Gmail was stuck in. So sicker than most of them at gmail.com send us the emails directly if you want to get in touch with us we also have a little poll button too at the bottom of every Spotify episode so let us know what you want to hear next you know I really want to get your guys feedback we get tons of listens on the on Spotify but no one no one ever tells us what they want to hear next you know I want to hear from you guys this this podcast wouldn't be the same or wouldn't this podcast wouldn't even be what it is today if it wasn't for people who listened right like you guys because if I see this all the time. If you guys didn't listen, this would just be two dudes talking into microphones, right? you know, right in a dark room on a <laughs> I'd Sunday be, I'd night. I'd still be down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's cool. You guys make this, you guys make this so much more. So I appreciate everyone who's listening. Follow us on Instagram, sicker than most podcast at sicker than most podcast. Um, I have a link to your Instagram on the Fentanyl Anonymous website. There we go. Just yeah. click on the logo. I'm yeah. there. Um, you know, and uh, I like to end every episode the way I do. Send us send us off in style. So, no matter where you come from, no matter what you've done, you are lovable and you are forgivable. So keep that in mind. Keep your head up and keep it moving. Peace.